Hey, Glenn from Form 55 here. Now that we're halfway through the 10 episodes that I planned for this podcast, I thought we'll try something a little bit different. So this is a slightly longer episode, but I think you will enjoy it equally as much because it's with the very charismatic and opinionated Eike Koenig from Berlin. I hope you find it as interesting as it was fun for me to record. Hello and herzlich willkommen, Eike. Schön mit dir zu sprechen. So we're gonna do that in English now, or? Shit, good that you remember. I would have totally have done it in German. <laughs> hi. Uh, well, for those who don't know who I'm talking to today, maybe you'd like to say hello and tell me who you are. Hello, my name is Eike König and I run a studio named Hort in Berlin. Maybe we could start off with like a really easy intro question. What was your first encounter with art or design that you can remember? I mean, uh, whatever art means or design means, um, my father was an architect, so uh, I was somehow surrounded by uh, architectural drawings and uh, sketches. But that was the business of my father, so I was never thinking it as an artistic um, discipline. I think my first encounter was during the Cold War uh, when all the magazines were full with infographics about the political or military situation between the two packs um, showcasing how many nuclear weapons um, both sides had and how many times we could destroy the world. Um, and that touched me totally how much power these little graphics have. Uh, so I got interest in what is it? Why does it touch me so much? And I figured out that there's a, a business behind it, a discipline behind it, a graphic designer who's using this visual language to explain um, complex situations in a very easy to understand way. So that was the first encounter where I really figured out, okay, there's, there's, a, there's a craft behind it. And uh, second was because of my my interest in music, uh, and at that time we were still listening to records, so it was kind of a ritual. Uh, when you listen to music, you unpacked um, the sleeve, uh, you put it on the record player, you put the needle on, and then you start listening. And while you were listening to it, you were looking at the sleeve. And then uh, there was always this connection between uh, the design of a sleeve and the, and the music you, you were listening to. And uh, because of that, I figured out that there, or oh, I wanted to know who designed it. Uh, so I got in contact with people like, uh, or students like Hypnosis, um, who designed uh, Pink Floyd, or Peter Seville, Joy Division, um, and many other designers who were related to uh, a specific genre in music or a label. And I thought that could be something um, I would like to follow in my business life, in my, in my professional life. So that's why I started to study graphic design. Were you born in Berlin or what brought you to the city? No, no, no. I, I was born in Hanau. Uh, that's uh, a small city next to Frankfurt. But I grew up in a smaller village where my father built a house. So I grew up most of the time, or I lived most of the time in my life in Frankfurt. 
And 10 years ago, we moved to Berlin. Uh, but before, I was completely into this Frankfurt um, scene, involved, integrated, part of. And uh, I didn't follow the, the magnet of Berlin, like, like everyone wants to be here. Um, it was more a decision by my team. So they wanted to live and work here. Uh, I could have lived forever in Frankfurt. Um, so I decided because of my team is international, or at that time was very international. Um, so I decided to follow the the will of the group, and and finally we got here. I think it was 2007. Yeah, and it's a it's a great it's a great city. So I I'm happy that I made or I followed the this decision. Now I can't think about moving back. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you could tell us a little bit about Hort. Did you found Hort when you moved to Berlin in 2007 or did it exist before you came to the city? No, no, I'm, I founded Hort in 1994. 94. Yeah. So that's already 13 years ago. Um, I used to be an art director of a record label, and then I figured out, okay, I want to be by myself. I want to decide for whom I work, the way I work, and, and all these things. So, so I quit my job in yeah, 1994 and started my studio completely by myself. I worked from home, like most of the people start uh, running a business, and it got really successful uh, in the first years. And then I decided to get a studio in Frankfurt, in the city, before I was a little bit outside in, of the city. And then I got my first employee, and from there, the whole story started. So we slowly grew up to four, then we were seven, then we were suddenly 12. We moved to Berlin, and now we are seven again. Like, I think it's an ideal group size. And we are more kind of a collective of designers. So also the way we work together has changed during that time. And also the commissions had changed. So in the beginning, I think we were more like image makers. We were concentrating on creating beautiful images. But at what point uh, there's no challenge in doing this anymore? Like, you know how to do it, and it's easy to repeat that. So we focus much more on more complex um, commissions, like branding, identity, creating, strategy, also consulting. And uh, from image making to identity creating, uh, there's a big step. Uh, but that's, I think, much more interesting. And also, it keeps your brain uh, much fitter, um, because you always have to jump into a new situation um, depending on in which culture it, it should work or, or I don't know. It's, it's, there are so many things you have to include in your thinking and work. Uh, and uh, yeah, that has changed and also the, the people have changed. <laughs> Talking about the people of Hort, what do you look for in the people that you hire to be part of this team? Do you select them personally or do they come together by, by themselves? How, how do you, what do you look for in people? I mean, there's always a selection from both sides, uh, I think. It's it's never, you know, so, someone also has to agree on, on working with you. Um, but the whole system works by internships. Like, um, I early started um, accepting interns in my studio. And from, from there, 
I decided that's a great way to get in touch with people um, and have a look how they integrate in a group, how they, how open they are for a discourse or a discussion, how able they are to step back a little bit from their ego because we work in a team, so that's a bigger thing. So throughout all the 23 years, um, everyone I was working with um, for a longer time used to be an intern before. And, uh, and now the team is like two of them, Tim and Tim, for example. We met when they were 19 and 21, like very, very early in their career. And we've been working since 16 years now together. The other Tim, I've been working since, I think, 10 years or even more. And the other people are like Anna and Lizzie are for more than five or six years. So I, I really, yeah, I, I want to work with people for a longer time. And, and to each of these persons, uh, I have a very strong relationship. And also we share part of our biography. Um, we spend so much time together. And so these people are not just exchangeable. They, they are an important part of the studio. I think they shaped the studio even more than I did. You know, I just arranged the situation in which we are working in. But the way the studio developed and evolved and grew is more related to the people who work there. So you can't just exchange, you can't just say, okay, um, if someone is leaving, I just take another one. Uh, there's always a gap for the rest of our lives. And, uh, but that's amazing because uh, uh, if you have a strong relationship to people, um, I think also the, you, know, you, you, you take care much more about how they feel and, and, and what is important for them. And uh, you respect them on a different level. And I think it's a blueprint for a lot of small companies nowadays, uh, how to work together. Because it's not just about the work, it's, it's about the way you work together. It's much more important than just the outcome and the money that brings the work. And, and, and it's, it's, it's much, much more complex. And I think it's much more fulfilling if you, if you have the feeling that, that people really love to uh, be there and love to share their knowledge and ideas with you and, and that, you, yeah, that you are proud of doing things together, uh, even without being the one that, that created it. So now I'm, I'm, I'm not really um, designing much anymore. Uh, like I'm, I'm not really part of the daily design situation, but I'm really excited to see what the people are doing. And, and that makes me even more happy than if I would do something amazing. Uh, so that's shifted too, you know, from, from the graphic designer, I used to be like the creator of, of things. Um, to someone who's um, more involved in, 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 in running a team, like uh, supporting them, helping them to, to ask the right questions, to be critical about what they're doing, and, and then um, fighting for, for the ideas they're coming up with uh, and building this bridge between the ones we are working with, like the clients and, and our concepts. So that's my, that's my task or business right now.
Do you still see yourself as a, as a boss? Do you still see yourself as the leader of, of this group? Now that's now in a way I'm a little bit more responsible. I have to take care that that everything is running, that the money is um, yeah is paid, and like I'm also like a firefighter still, like uh, jumping into a situation when there's um, when there's a rumble. But I'm, you know, we 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 don't really have um, a strong hierarchy in our studio. It's they're all grown ups. They are all taking care of the quality. Um, uh, they all want to create good work, optimize um, processes, design processes, working processes, and so it's it's much more. Um, that's why I also say it's it's a collective because they're also individuals working on their own projects, and um, we only come together under this umbrella heart when there's a bigger job and. Uh, we need this power of, of many people, and then we work together. So it's, I never saw myself as a boss, uh, what, whatever that is, you know, a boss. Uh, um, but um, yeah, sometimes I have to make decisions other people don't do. And uh, that maybe pushes me a little bit in this direction of being a, a boss. Um, and a leader doesn't need to be a bad word. You know? it, it depends on the way you lead. It's it's. What do you think makes a great leader? Leading always got into, has this bad tone uh, in a way. Uh, I think someone who's who's respectful and open or has an empathy for people and is able to understand the situation of the people and is uh, willing to put energy in, in supporting these people uh, and helping them to develop, that's very positive, I think. And, and uh, in this case, I... Uh, I accept to be someone who leads a team, yeah. But I think that has changed also during the years. Like uh, the generation of my parents was completely different. And I am the generation who had experience with that kind of leadership and figured out that this is completely a waste of creativity, a waste of uh, energy. Uh, it's a... Uh, it's a one-way road. Uh, it's this old, how do you say, not pyramid, pyramid? Uh, pyramid. Pyramid, yeah, pyramid. I always say it wrong, pyramid. It's <laughs> <laughs> a pirate. Yeah. So it's a top-down approach. Top like down. there's someone at the top who makes the decisions. And, and that's that's waste of uh, knowledge, a waste of um, possibilities. And uh, it, it just shapes... Uh, even a bigger ego than you should have. And uh, so during my experience in working in advertising agency uh, and other um, structures, um, working structures, uh, I thought this, this is not a good model for myself and also for a lot of people um, I'm respecting. And so probably that's why we, we, we keep working on together for a longer time because there's probably there's no need of or there's no feeling a bad feeling of like oh there's this uh, guy on top or girl on top who are mostly there guys still uh, and it's all about him and his his uh, ideas and uh, I don't even want to be uh, I mean still the face of the studio uh, because the other people just don't want to be in the spotlight. Yeah, it's also a role you would like to take 
part in or not. Right at the beginning of our conversation, you questioned the distinction between art and design. And then you briefly said, I used to be a designer. Do you see yourself more as an artist these days? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm still, uh, I don't know. I, I mean. Or do you think you bridge the gap between, where do you see the distinction? Maybe that's an easier place to start. Uh, there's no, there's, I think there's a, it's a constructed distinction. Yeah. Uh, and, and it used to be, You know, at like some years ago, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 years ago, um, no one, no one, no one defined a, a difference between art and design and and people like um, who, who, for example. Uh, I guess the whole Bauhaus era, since yeah. the rebranding for, for, sure. for them, I mean, yeah. they all mixed uh, all disciplines and that was... Max Bill, for example, you know, like it, he's a respected artist, but at the same time he's a respected designer. And, and at this time, uh, these people were, I mean, that, that was a craft uh, they were using, but, but the higher, the, the bigger value, I think, is the way they were thinking and... Uh, This thinking can swift between disciplines and uh, can be applied also to different dif disciplines. And and um, this this border between the disciplines was created at one point, and I think more from uh, from the fine arts than from the design uh, discipline, uh, probably to to uh, yeah create a difference. But nowadays, I think it's it's melting together again. There's a there's a generation of artists, designers, fashion designers, um, musicians, and writers. Uh, they don't care anymore about um, how how to name your your profession. Uh, uh, it's the way they um, they research in, in in different fields and then. They um, create a, uh, an answer or a question based on that research. And that could be a painting, that could be an installation, that could be a written piece, that could be uh, an applied piece too. So being or working in applied fields and in, in uh, not commissioned work, <clears throat> even fine arts is commissioned in a way because if you want to sell your work, then you have to deal with the market and the market has some expectations on, on your work and uh, things are selling because of that. And uh, a lot of artists also are applying their art to a need and uh, to a market. So I'm still this, no, I'm not an artist or I'm, I think much more relevant is the way I, I'm thinking and, and um, the way I'm dealing with um, topics Uh, and that could be the output. Uh, output could be commissioned, applied to a client, or um, completely self-organized, uh, produced, um, and uh, showed in a gallery by myself. Uh, I don't see so much difference anymore nowadays. And and everyone is influencing everyone now. You know, like you, I'm using the. The strategies of art in in my applied work, I'm in my private work, uh, artistic work, 
I'm using a lot of the knowledge I gained through uh, work in applied fields like uh, mass production and uh, mass communication, uh, urban communication, uh, visibility through uh, social networks. Um, I'm, I'm very much into that, how to, how to promote your work or how to uh, give your work kind of a, like an audience and, and social networks. And it works. It's, it's, you can combine that nowadays very easy. And, and that's interesting. I mean, if you always just repeat what other generations did because they thought that has to be like this, then you don't change anything. So I always thought, question that, like um, use everything you can use um, to create something. And uh, so forget about uh, how to name the work you're doing. Uh, it's more important the way you do it and uh, that you uh, take care of, that you have a responsibility for what you're doing. That's all. Great answer. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll change direction a little bit. You've been traveling a lot recently. You tend to travel quite a bit for work and for pleasure. Do you enjoy traveling? Do you think that has an influence on you? Or do you, do you like getting out of Berlin and seeing other places? Yeah, I think, I mean, uh, I figured out very early in my life uh, that uh, leaving your own culture uh, gives you a good chance to uh, have a different view on your culture. So um, it also opens your mind uh, and, 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 and builds an empathy for other people's life, other people's thoughts. Uh, so I used to travel just because of that, because of like getting to know myself uh, a bit more. But also I'm very, very interested in, in different cultures. I'm very interested in, in also learning from these cultures. And, um, and I think everyone should do that. Uh, you, can, you, can, you can understand people much better if you enter their cultural environment. Uh, if you see the circumstances in which they are living, uh, the way they are seeing the world, or they're seeing themselves. I learned through traveling that there's not one truth. Uh, there are eight billion or nearly eight billion truths. And uh, so whatever you think is it's true or wrong or right is always based on your own biography. Oh, what you accepted as being right or wrong. And, uh, but that doesn't mean that it is like this. So I learned a lot by, by just um, meeting other people from around, uh, from around the world. And, and lucky I am, um, I got invited by a lot of people around the world to speak on conferences. And I always combine that with, because then... I already meet people and then I ask these people, what can I do? So I get into their cultures, um, I can travel the world and, and that's why I'm doing it. I think it's, it's, a, it's a nice combination between working, um, sharing, getting inspired, um, meeting people uh, and at the same time take a distance to my own work, take a distance to my own culture, my uh, surrounding here in Berlin, uh, my studio, be a little bit offline from everything that happens and, uh, and spend uh, time 
for myself, also to get to know yourself even more. So I'm always happy if someone invites me uh, to go far away. Next week I'm going to Nicaragua, Peru, uh, Costa Rica and Galapagos. So it's a mix of, I'm, I'm speaking on a conference, I'm, I'm, I'm going to meet some people I've met before, and the rest is spending uh, a great time with my girlfriend, um, just yeah, seeing the world. And I don't really like, I, I, li I like to balance uh, it much more uh, because I work a lot, or I travel a lot for work, so I also like to spend a lot of time without working. Um, so I, I try to not overwork anymore. I did that when I was younger, but now um, I think it's much more important to, to somehow get a balance between uh, these things. Anyway, you are always working or you're always thinking. Whatever work means, you know, is, is just a production of work, the work, or is also the muse, like the time in between, like, like doing nothing. I think that's, that's also part of the process. And, uh, and I'm always getting completely refreshed back from that. I mean, that's the way I refill my batteries. And, and everyone has his own strategy how to refill. Um, but I think that's, a, that's an amazing way you combine, you combine things and then you are back and then you want to do things. I really also love to come back. That's, that's also a different thing. Some people like to escape from their life and go on holiday and they and when holiday is over they don't like to go back because their life sucks so no no i, I like both <laughs> So when you can't go and travel far away, how do you switch off when you're when you're here? Like if you've maybe got a period of time that you have to work a lot, are there ways that you manage to get away from work and get offline, as you said? What do you do to switch off while you're in Berlin? I mean, it's much not harder, but it's a little bit more complicated to do that. I think it's much easier if you just, you know, take your pack and enter uh, a new culture and then uh, there's so much new that happens to your mind you know like you you're seeing new things you're meeting new people uh, and instantly you forget about uh, the rest um, but here in Berlin I mean what I'm doing to recover is my private work that um, you know, this research in language, especially in written language. And then the technique I'm using to make that happen, like create the output, you have to do it by hand, or most things I'm doing is working by hand. So within that technique, there is a, a specific time connected to that technique. That means I have to slow down. I can't make it faster. I mean, I can optimize things, but uh, still there's a specific speed and it slows me completely down. If I'm nervous, 
I can see it in the result if I'm not concentrated or if I'm rushing things or so especially nowadays where everything is happening simultaneously at the same time I'm reading emails I'm eating I'm getting news all the time listening to me I don't know so many informations you have to deal with uh, simultaneously and when I'm doing this work I go back in time in a way because that's how I learned graphic design doing things by hand so instantly I'm in this studio space I can feel the temperature um, I can see the the format I'm working with I can touch the materials uh, it's a very sensitive yeah or sense focused work I enjoy it and uh, if I'm not there with my thinking with my thoughts then I will destroy the work. So it, it really pushes me to be into now. And I think if we explore that now a bit more, then probably that now recovers me. Like this, this is kind of a uh, grounding. Uh, it's, it's, it's a momentum uh, you're part of. And uh, so I can feel the connection between my thinking my body as a, as a tool, my body as a, as a shell, the connection between the senses I have and the material I'm working with. It sounds a little bit spiritual <laughs> right now, but yeah, that's something that, that really, I can delete a lot of bad energy by just doing that. So it's a good, it's a good combination. I, I'm able to get something out of myself, like uh, something I, I was thinking of for a long time and, and, and I need to deal with. And so I give it a body I can, you know, have a conversation with, like uh, I materialize it uh, because thoughts are, yeah, it's not a concrete material uh, you can deal with. It's, I can't really solve problems by thinking. So I have to somehow give it a face or a body uh, so I can talk to it. And at the same time, I have this sensation and I, my heartbeat goes down and I don't uh, answer a phone, I don't answer emails, you know, I'm offline. I can enjoy the moment of creating this. So, yeah. I think you briefly mentioned at the beginning that you've also been doing some teaching and some um, lecturing at, is it, is it also here in Berlin or...? No, I'm, I'm since 2011 now. I'm a professor in Offenbach for graphic design illustration. Uh, but before, I used to be a guest professor in Weimar, in Mainz. In, I, I was teaching in Bremen, in Salzburg, in different universities. But 2011, I accepted uh, this professorship. And um, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it's amazing to work with students. Do you find it beneficial not only to your psyche, but also to your work? Does it influence your work in any way? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, especially the way I, or, you know, Offenbach is a university of arts, though there are different disciplines like fine arts, but also applied arts. Uh, and it's an open structure, so people can switch between the disciplines, so they get influence or knowledge from all sides. And um, as there are already two 
classes for graphic design, like Sascha Lobe does uh, typography and uh, Klaus Hesse does uh, conceptual design. My class is more focused, is more like a, an open discipline class, it's more a discourse class. So in my class, there are painters, sculptors, photographers, graphic designers, illustrators, writers, musicians, and it's more about sharing questions and answers um, cross discipline. And I think that's much more inspiring if you work together with people from different disciplines. And if I would run a studio nowadays, if I would start something nowadays, I think I would get, uh, I don't know, a philosopher, uh, some someone who comes from a social background, you know, because I think if you're surrounded by just the people who have similar discipline, they, they always ask the same questions. And, and if you want to get an, a different answer, then you need to ask different questions. So... You need to find people who would ask different questions. Um, and working with these students, it completely changed to the time when I was studying because that was the idea that there's knowledge centralized. Like there's one person who knows a lot, the professor. And whatever he said was right or wrong because you, you, you were just trusting this person. And then the digital revolution, or oh, evolution, however you want to name it, came. And, and suddenly, knowledge is everywhere. Whenever you want, you go online and you can find something. So it's a very democratic idea of knowledge. Forget about these people and who has all this knowledge uh, integrated in their DNA or whatever. And you can create your own opinion now. I see my... My role, not as a classic teacher anymore, it's not about, for sure, it's a lot about what I explored in my life and the network I build up. Um, I want to share that knowledge and I want to share that network and the experience I made with the students. But at the same time, it's much more about figuring out who are these people, what are their skills, where are they weak, and you know, how can I support them to create an opinion or a trust in themselves? Um, how can I help them to be a brave, critical thinker? And, uh, and that's what I want to support in my teaching profession. Uh, I'm really getting inspired by the students, um, like the way they think and, and uh, the way they come up with solutions. I can touch ground with, um, or have to touch ground with technology, or I need to understand the environment they, they are living in. And, and also I have to foresee a little bit the future that, uh, we all will live in. So, so it helps me to, to stay young. And some of them are doing internships in our studio also because I got to know them and I see how, how well they would develop uh, in a more... As, uh, yeah, kind of studio structure, um, you know, like leaving the institutional structure and getting into a situation where you really work on, on jobs. So I think university, in a, in a way, it's, it's just a bigger way of, of the way I'm working uh, at Hort. It's just a scaled version of it. And it, yeah, it refreshes me uh, every time I go there. I mean, it, it takes a lot of energy and time. It's time-consuming, but... But at the same time, it's awesome to see how these young people involved grow and then start to make their own business and suddenly, pop. yeah, they are prepared for 
getting out and making good work. So it's a great thing to um, be part of. Yeah. And by helping them, or like I focus a lot about um, social uh, activity, interactivity, like uh, we work in a society, uh, we have to do something for the society, um, yeah, creating empathy or developing empathy, working to de- together, sharing, not being a competitor, you know, like, I mean, we are all competitors in a way, but at the same time, university is a, it's a safe space. So um, we can push that back a little bit and, and be a little bit more about, you know, helping other people to understand things or get things done. And I think good people, if you, are, if you try to be a good person, other people will be good persons too. So I try to have a good karma. <laughs> you briefly mentioned that by working with younger uh, students really helps you understand what's happening to them at, the, at this point in time and also understand how technology influences them and their society around them. How do you see the role as a creative designer or artist or whatever you want to call it? How do you see that evolving in the near future? I mean, you read so many articles about automation and about AI taking over so many jobs. How, how do you see the, the future of the creative industry? I mean, it's still a young industry. <laughs> it's not that old. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I think there will be a massive change for sure coming up. Uh, there are already logarithms uh, that can, or apps that can design what, yeah, what you can do. I think um, much more important is um, to use that um, yeah, creative thinking as a, as a method or as a, it has a value. And I think that, that value can, or that, that um, skill you can use in, in all kind of problem solving processes. So it's not just about designing a poster, whatever a poster is nowadays, or um, to create an identity for a brand or design a chair. It's, it's more about how you, how you read the world, how you read the, the problem um, and how you create a solution for that. And that's multidisciplinary happening. You can work in all kinds of environments uh, if you have that skill. It's a very powerful tool, and um, so that will never die, I think. And, and but people still get trained in romantic this idea of being a, a creator of physical things. And uh, I'm a little bit concerned about that. Yeah, we shouldn't romanti- romanticize our business. We should we should be a little bit more open to the possibilities of the future. That there will be technology who does things we can do now. I think a lot of people fear that moment, but I think that's a, that's a great chance. If we don't have to do that anymore, then we would have much more time to be innovators. Or, uh, you know, we can use our, the space or the energy we have suddenly to think about totally different things and create our future in a different way. Technology always involves a positive and a negative part in it. And, uh, and it's all about you, how to, in which direction you want to push it. I'm, I'm, in that way, I'm looking into the future because I, I experience the, 
the switch between analog to digital and suddenly it goes back to analog. You know that there's always this, in analog there's a, there's a power, in digital there's a power. And, you know, so don't forget about that. Why, why not put that all into your knowledge box and, and use it whenever you think it's right to use it. So uh, I'm keen to see uh, what will happen in the next five years and, uh, and I will be part of it for sure. I'm, um, I, I try not to get stuck in my in the time I got socialized um, with design, um, and I don't think that time was better than it's now. I think this this time now is much better than the time I grew up. What do you feel is your greatest achievement so far? What are you most proud of, of doing in your career? It's for sure not the work I created. It's I'm most proud of right now how I was able to define a space or design a space uh, in which a lot of amazing young creative minds could could find their voice and share their ideas and work together on, on wonderful, amazing jobs. And I think that's what I'm most proud of and I will be most proud of. Um, I still have a lot of or strong connections to a lot of people uh, I met throughout that time and uh, I completely respect the work they're doing and the personality they have. I'm really thankful because they also made me who I am right now. You know, that, that reflection I got from these people, it somehow uh, formed me as a person. And that will be the legacy, I think. Uh, and the rest, I mean, we shouldn't take us so serious, you know, like we, there's a much bigger picture and, 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 and a graphic designer or a product designer. I mean, yeah, it's an amazing job, and, but we're not really changing the world. It's, um, or most of us don't do that. Um, but maybe we can do that in, in, a, in a small way, or in a micro way, the way we, you know, we are, like how we work together. That influences a lot, and I think that's maybe also changes the world a little bit. But I met a lot of people who are very arrogant because they think they are creators, and, uh, and I want to laugh about myself. I always say to myself, don't take yourself so serious. I don't really uh, create something that is... And I also don't want to create something that is forever. Nothing, you know, this idea is, is, a, is, a, is an illusion. We will pass away anyway, and we will be forgotten at one point. So um, that's the most fulfilling feeling I have. When I meet the people I've been working with for such a long time, or, yeah, or see how they grew up and started their own businesses, that's, that's, a, that's a little bit of me in them that's, that makes me happy in a way, yeah. Well, how about we finish up with maybe anything that's coming up in the future? I think you just opened an exhibition recently. Is there anything else that you've got planned that you'd like to mention? Yeah, I mean, I focus a little bit more right now on my on my private work, on my artistic work. Yeah, I opened this door 
oder did this residency at Villa Massimo in Rome. And, and, and suddenly I, I found this unseen world uh, that I want to explore. And the deeper I enter this room, the bigger it gets. Um, it, uh, I felt like there must be an end, but um, every door I open, <laughs> suddenly there's a even bigger room behind it. And uh, it's completely fascinating uh, that I'm able or oh, it's also luxury, that I'm able to spend a lot of my time exploring that um, topic. And so right now I'm, I just opened a show in, in Hamburg. I'm preparing one in Cologne. Another one is finished in Sydney, uh, but will be opened next year because... Is that the one with a car crash? Yeah, a car crash into the gallery. So uh, the gallery has to be reconstructed now. Uh, And I'm talking uh, right now uh, about shows in Warsaw and in Munich. So I think it's part of, of that um, process that um, you create work and then you put it in an environment that so it can uh, get in touch with an audience. And then uh, because then it somehow comes alive. I mean, if an artwork is just existing in my in my little studio uh, without any contact to another person, then it's just a dead piece of paper. I'm excited to uh, put it in, a con in the space context uh, uh, and see how people react on it. And uh, I have a, a mixed feeling of it. It's a little bit of a heavy weight I'm carrying with me. I, want, uh, I also want to be successful with that. So I did this show in, in Hamburg and it, uh, the opening was completely full, like a lot of people. I got some great response. Uh, A lot of young people, but it's not just about the response you get from people. It's also about you also somehow want to sell work. So, and then I went to another opening on the next day from a from a painter, and there it was also packed with people, but older people, a different kind of audience. And then my friend said in Frankfurt, my best friend said, "You can't choose your audience." You know, the audience is choosing you. And that's what I really like because I, I, I thought, ah, I also want to have this um, grown-up, you know, like the, the lawyers and the, I don't know what, yeah. But I have, my, I have my specific audience that is, I think, much more related to what I'm doing in my business life. And then suddenly also get in contact with my artistic work and, you know, they see the connection. That's my audience, and they will grow, and they will, they will be keep connection to me. I think uh, so. I'm really looking for. I could calm down a little bit and not be so. I want to rush thing. I wanna, yeah, I want to build a foundation of work, and based on that foundation, uh, uh, maybe something can happen. And I, I shouldn't speed things up too much. So, so now I'm happy. On the weekend, I was a little bit frustrated. I was a little bit like, ah, you know, you've put so much energy into it. And I, you know, I'm, I'm always doing these things by myself. I, I get a car, I put the artworks in, I drive there, I build it up by myself. Uh, I see that as part of it. But now I, I th thought like, no, I also should work with people who help me to do things. And I don't need to do everything by myself. It's and then relax a little bit more. I wasn't relaxed at that opening night. You know, I, I couldn't really enjoy it anymore. So 
that I was like, shit, I can't, I can't, I can't do things and I don't enjoy it then, you know, I, I, I should, I should somehow save this moment as an enjoyable moment and not as a, okay, it's done, I'm tired, yeah. I imagine it almost being like, like a chef cooking all day yeah. and then you get yeah. to sit down and you're like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really hungry. Anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a similar situation, yeah. Yeah. So next time I, I, I want to focus on that opening day. So so I need to have like, I don't know, two, three days in between and say, now is the opening day. I'm ready. I want to meet people. You know, I, I, I didn't really want to meet people. You know, it was so busy and people were talking to you and they were analyzing your work. And I was like, you, you can analyze my work, but you don't have to talk with me about my work. You know, I will not give you any answers on my work. So there were these people talking to me, do I read it right? And I was like, no, my work is that every person can read something completely different in it, you know? That's the idea of my work. Ah, yeah, but maybe this is what you thought about it. And I was like, no, I will not give you a hint of what I thought about it, you know? So, so it's, it, was, it was this mix of stress suddenly, but I, I totally understand people have questions, people, you know, like people want to understand things and, uh, and uh, people want to be next to you because I don't know why. And so I was lucky that Anna was there and uh, she, she, she calmed me down a lot. And, uh, and in the end, it was an amazing evening. Uh, but next time, I think the next one will be in Cologne in November, where also my family will be there and friends. Uh, I'm already into the stress of making it work, but I think that will be an evening where I can enjoy being surrounded by the people I like, I spend a lot of time with in my life and uh, show them the work I'm doing right now. My mother doesn't really know what I'm doing, you know, like, uh, so it, I think it will be the first time that she will get in contact with that. And then there will be this moment when her father meets my mother it's the first time. So I think there are so many things that will happen on this evening. And I'm so much looking forward to that. So it's not just about showcasing work in an architectural space. It's also about the social things that happen when all the people gathering together and meet my work. I'm excited. <laughs> on that note, Eike, thanks very much for taking the time to talk to me. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Thank you. Find out more about Eike and Hort and to read a full transcript of this interview, go and visit farm55.com. Special thanks to Benji Lewis and Mammal Sounds for letting us use the track in time throughout this podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. I hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, I'd love to hear what you guys think. If you enjoyed it, if you want to hear more of this length, is this too long? Do you want it to be more general, like, like this discussion was, or do you prefer it to be more focused on a topic or a project? Um, yeah, it'd be nice to hear what you think. You can always reach us on Twitter or Instagram, follow us on Facebook, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. You can always find us on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. Until next time.